It's finally that time of year again. It's Halloween. It's time to tell spooky scaries from our favorite time of year. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Halloween horror stories. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some creepy and allegedly true Halloween horror stories. You know, swamp folk, I know it can be scary to open up and look like you're vulnerable sometime, but keeping your mental health in A-plus shape is very important. Meeting with a therapist to work on your mental health is just about as helpful as hiring a personal trainer to work on your physical health, and the positive impact can be just as life-changing. Talkspace makes it possible to speak with a licensed therapist right from your phone, tablet, or computer. And unlike traditional therapy, you can message your therapist anytime via text, video, or voice. It's 100% secure and stigma-free. Free, the way therapy really should be, honestly. Now, I have had trouble myself finding therapy. It's really hard to find somebody you can sit in a room with and be comfortable with, but that's why Talkspace is so convenient. Going to therapy isn't something that should give you anxiety, it's something that should help you relieve anxiety. So here in the swamp, we think things like Talkspace are incredibly cool. At Talkspace, your privacy and security are their number one priority. The app puts you in a private room with just you and your therapist. Send messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. No need to wait for a weekly appointment. Talkspace's encryption and added security features keep your conversation fully protected. Whether you struggle with anxiety, depression, self-doubt, or anything else, Talkspace gives you access to the help you need to move forward. Join me and others in the swamp today at Talkspace. Start moving forward with a single message. Just visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code SWAMPED at sign up. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com. Promo code SWAMPED. I used to fear the dark. There was always something menacing about the unknown, and for that reason, I used to be a skeptic. Yes, I used to be, as after the story I'm about to tell you, I had a change of heart. It all began junior year in English class. My teacher, who had always had a way of making her class unique, decided that given the time of year, October, we should have an assignment relating to the eerie-feeling Halloween cast. The assignment was to visit a haunted house or write a summary of your visit. My group of friends and I had just had the debate whether or not ghosts are real, and I had strongly opposed their existence. I'll spare you the details but we soon embarked on a two-hour drive to visit a popular haunted mansion that we had recommended to us. My friend, let's call him Wayne, would tell me on the way there about his grandfather who had killed himself. He said, Bro, I swear to God, if my freaking grandpa reaches out to me tonight, I'm going home with or without you. Clearly, I was missing pieces of the story. Anyways, we got there, and things went pretty normal. All the hosts would try to creep us out, Groups of girls would constantly be whispering and giggling, and the supposed medium told us the history of the mansion and its past owners. You know, the usual things. Things took a different direction after the lights went out, though. No one spoke a word. We all just sat there waiting for something to happen. Soon, my friends and I began seeing colors. Purple, green, red, 
smudges, as I would describe them, scattered the room. It almost reminded me of the eye blurriness, except when I turned my head, they did not move along with me. Instead, they would remain in the same place I left them. Being the rational one out of the group, I yelled out, yeah, all right, this is cool, but I'm not convinced. Keep in mind, the medium and I had previously talked about my skepticism, and she had mentioned to let her know what I think. She responded with, well, spirits, would you like to show him he's wrong? Not going to lie, I about peed my pants after that comment. A moment later, I heard a whistle. Granted, it was very faint, but it was unmistakable. Following this, I saw something I will never forget. Keep in mind, we are in a pitch black room with no windows, but what I saw was a man kneeling in front of me who was darker than the darkness that surrounded me. I thought to myself, oh god, you're going crazy. But something in me said that this was not my imagination. I stuck my hand out to find that the area in front of me was ice cold. Not only that, but my friend even made a comment saying, oh crap, we got a ghost over here, guys. There were a few other things that happened in that room, but nothing so concrete as that. However, I am not done. It was 9pm, and everyone was getting ready to go home but something told me to stay. You see, my uncle passed away unexpectedly five years ago, and it was incredibly hard on my family. I felt guilty because I had never really gotten as close to him as I wish I had, and always, in a way, hated myself for not crying after hearing about his death. I would have closure. Another thing to note, I am not one to walk up to strangers and begin a conversation with them, but like I mentioned before, something compelled me to do it this time. I introduced myself formally to the medium, this time, and asked her if she had the time to talk about my uncle. The very warm lady said she was definitely okay with that. She smiled and told me, of course, tell me what his name was. I told her his name and answered a few questions like when he passed and so on. She quickly replied, he is here. As I am standing in 30 degree weather, I feel the warmest I had ever felt. She started listing characteristics that were very specific to my uncle. I knew she couldn't be making it up. All my guilt had vanished, and to this day, I still get teary-eyed thinking about the sheer amount of love I felt. After my uncle, she asked my friend group if there was anyone else who wanted to speak. None of them spoke up, but she wasn't finished. She said, I see someone who carries a tremendous amount of guilt. Would that be anyone you guys know? No one said a word. His name is Al. My friend Wayne choked. He said Al was his grandpa's nickname. He killed himself. For the next 10 minutes, she told Wayne about Al's guilt and shame. I noticed Wayne's fists were clenched. Wayne was angry and didn't talk much the rest of the night. I know this wasn't anything compared to a Wendigo story or something like that, but for me, it was enough to completely change my perspective on life. I am no longer afraid of the dark, as I know my uncle was watching over me. Ironically, I ended up never writing that essay for English and ended up with a zero on it but I figured this was my perfect opportunity to share my story. Thank you, and I hope you can all find closure in my story. Hey Swamp, this happened to me at a Halloween party several years ago. To start off, I'll have to explain the geography a bit. My grandparents live in a small community at the peak of a mountain. I don't think it's considered a small town, simply a community. I won't say the name because a lot of people up here are kind of off the grid, 
and it's about 45 minute drive from my city, which is about halfway between San Jose and San Francisco. The only things in this community besides houses are a restaurant and a fire department. The annual Halloween party takes place at the fire department, and every year my cousin, who we'll call Ruby and I, would go there after we trick-or-treated with my dad, her mom, or both. My grandparents helped run the party, and at the time were involved with emergency services of the community. The year this happened, I was about 10 years old, which would make Ruby 7. This year, her best friend at the time came with us. I cannot remember her name, but we'll call her Kira, because her most distinguishing feature was her bright yellow hair. I remember her being taller than both of us, with eagle eyes, and generally gave off an HBIC aura. Basically, ideal for a shy girl to stand behind in a crowd. I sort of assumed she was the same age as Ruby, but I don't really know. So this year, the party started the same way as it would do any other year. With us doing various games, activities, and winning, you guessed it, candy. At some point, we went on the deck. The fire department, like most houses on the mountain, began on the second floor and had a wooden deck surrounding it. There were about 10 other kids hanging out on the deck, so we decided to play tag. Being not physically inclined, I found myself as it for most of the time. Now is when things got scary. At some point, I felt hands under my underarms. I didn't think anything of it at first. Ruby was and still is deceptively strong for her size. Whenever one of us had a birthday, we usually rented a bounce house and she sometimes picked me up and threw me. Before I even had time to process this, I was in the air and upside down. I don't specifically remember the certain points of air, impact, and on the ground crying. They sort of all kind of blurred together when I tried to remember. I have a moment of clarity when I was laying on the ground in shock, with nothing happening, but the next thing I remember I was crying with Ruby next to me. Kira had run inside and got my dad and auntie, and at a certain point, they were next to me too. During the game of tag, there were a couple of teenagers watching us. Don't get the wrong idea. These were responsible kids. We knew two of them. They and several other kids had seen the attacker. They described him as a middle-aged man with glasses and jeans, and that's all they can remember. No one recognized him or knew who he was. Keep in mind, this is the kind of area where everyone knows everyone. There was this one person up there, though, that was kind of known for being a creeper, always having weird behavior. Mentioning his name had the same effect on locals as dropping the name Voldemort or something like that. That was what several people were guessing. But people who saw it said it was not him. This community does not have a police department, but there's a small force of rangers. Several were there with their kids, so they sent a group out, but they never found him. A firefighter came over to make sure I didn't have any brain damage, a broken neck, or anything like that, and someone got me an ice pack. To my knowledge, they never found the attacker. I didn't go up the next year. In fact, I don't think we went until I was a teenager. We haven't talked about that night since then. Except when I do, something perceived as quirky or airheaded. Someone will comment that time I was dropped in my head as a child. I am 23 years old now, but I still remember this experience. I am a male, and when I was in around first grade, about six or seven years old on Halloween night, my parents took my sister and I trick-or-treating, and I remember feeling super excited. Halloween was always one of my favorite holidays. I remember we went to the rich people's neighborhood because they always gave out the most candy. 
I remember I got a bit too excited and went on ahead on my own, and as a kid, I was so amazed at everyone's costume. I would often go up to random people, look them up and down, and compliment them on their costume. I know, it was not a good idea and probably wasn't incredibly safe to do this, especially being on my own, but I was a kid, so I didn't really know any better. One of the people had a scary mask on, and I was blown away on how cool and detailed it looked. I had to tell them. I just had to. So I did. I went up to him and told him how much I liked his mask, and he just stared at me for a few seconds. He pulls at his arm and grabs onto my hand with a tight grip. I tried to pull away, but he was not letting go. Instead, he continued to keep walking while holding on to me. I was so terrified that this stranger wasn't letting go and was taking me somewhere with him. I started screaming, but with crowds and crowds of people, nobody really realized what was going on. I was looking all over the place trying to find my parents, and I managed to spot my mom in the crowd not too far behind me. She also saw me calling, and was calling out to me while trying to reach me through the crowd. The stranger must have noticed because he immediately let go, and took off very quickly into the sea of people. I caught up to my mom and for a second, I decided not to tell her. I don't know why, I didn't. It was only until a few years ago that I actually brought it up, and she said that I never told her about it, and was so surprised that I had gone through this. It is scary though, knowing that some people out here kidnap children so easily, and do God knows what to them. I was lucky enough to have been found by my mom when I did, but who knows what happens on Halloween every year. Be safe, Swamp Folk. This happened on Halloween of 2019. My friends and I were feeling the spooky vibes of the month and wanted to do something fun and exciting to satisfy our thirst. Being the dumb college students that we were, we decided on exploring somewhere allegedly haunted in the hopes of seeing some genuine paranormal activity. Since we're from Illinois, the popular destination of Bachelors Grove Cemetery immediately came to mind, and it was settled upon. Once the sun had set and night had fallen, we made our first move, sneaking into the cemetery after it had closed to get the full experience without having to worry about any other visitors. I must admit, I always wanted to do something like this before, but it was genuinely terrifying. I was kind of afraid of what might be waiting for us in that cemetery so late at night. Stories always circulated around from the various apparitions people had encountered here, the different sounds that chilled them to the bone and so on. Anyway, all of this was festering inside of me well before we started driving over to the cemetery sometime in the evening. It was a pleasantly long drive, but I wasn't really in the mood to think about anything else except for the potential horrors that roam the cemetery for all of eternity, or so they say. Coupled with the fact that we are going to be trespassing this entire time to get through in the first place, I was pretty nervous. My friends were apparently doing a much better job at keeping their fears in check, though. For the sake of the story, I'll call them Logan, Paul, and Eddie. The entire car ride there, they were laughing and joking around, seemingly not worried about what we would be getting into or what we might see. Looking back at the entire situation, I should have known that their optimism was a bad sign. No way we would have been able to explore this place without being the slightest bit nervous, but what's done is done. A little past seven, once night had finally fallen for real, 
and darkness went on in every direction for as far as the eye could see. We arrived. Parking in the main parking lot was out of the question, because we did some looking into it and found that in previous years, local law enforcement liked to wait there and catch any would-be explorers before they could even get inside. So we had a backup plan. Since the actual cemetery was in the corner of a dense forest on all sides, essentially forming a square where all the roads would go around it, we were to park at some restaurant that was open super late and had a huge parking lot, all the way in the back furthest away from the restaurant itself and closest to the road. This was the exact opposite direction from the front entrance of the cemetery, so we figured this was our best chance of getting in while avoiding cops. From there, we'd cross the street on foot and have a bit of a walk before arriving at a somewhat hidden path leading into the forest. Taking this back path would take a bit more time to get to the actual cemetery itself, since these trees were particularly thick and dense, but it was well worth it when considering the alternative. After everything was said and done, we found ourselves beginning our trek into the path, unsure of how far we'd have to go before we find what we were looking for. It was a windy night, and even though it wasn't especially cold or anything, I remember my teeth chattering and my skin going cold. Aside from the occasional sound of leaves being crunched under our shoes as we walked, there was absolute silence. My once cheerful and energetic friends were now suddenly quiet and subdued. Logan had this odd expression on his face, it being illuminated by my phone's flashlight as we walked. It was some sort of cross between fear and pain, like every step he took was causing him physical harm. Before I could question him about it, we found ourselves at our destination. Here we were, in the heart of Bachelor's Grove, with graves all around us and a certain chill in the air. It was decided that we would all split up to cover more ground promising to call each other if we found anything or encountered anything. I didn't want us going too far away from one another, but I also didn't want to seem like a pussy, so I kept my mouth shut and began exploring. Most of the graves I looked at had either withered away from time and the elements, so I could hardly make out anything that was on the tombstones. The few dates that I could read went back all the way to the 1800s, and a sinking feeling in my stomach started once I realized these people had been dead and decaying in the ground for well over a hundred years now. Feeling extremely uncomfortable with this realization, I began to back away from the graves and started to look for my friends to see if they had found anything supernatural yet, when suddenly, I heard it. Not just me either. All of us did. It was low, almost unnoticeable if you weren't paying attention, but with the way our senses were heightened, there was no way we would miss it. It appeared to be some sort of chanting, and it sounded like it was coming a little bit north from our direction, further into a clearing. I couldn't make any of the words out being spoken, or if it was even in English, but there was something creepy about the tone. Like it was religious, and the chanting was some sort of prayer. The voice that was doing the chanting was deep and gravelly, belonging to some sort of man that we could not see. The four of us shined our lights on each other to see our expressions at that very moment. We knew what we were going to do. Despite every fiber in my being telling me not to go any further and see what the source of this chanting was, my curiosity got the better of me, and I just could not resist. Eddie whispered to us to turn our lights off completely, while he dimmed his just enough to where it wouldn't attract too much attention, but we could still be able to see with it. The next few moments we spent creeping towards the noise, the more and more I started to lose it. My breathing was uncontrollable, and it felt like my heart was beating a million miles an hour. 
I was so afraid of what we would find, and yet, I still had to know. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, we had entered the clearing, and were a mere few steps away from the chanting. Eddie shone his light in the direction ahead of us just for a moment. We saw a cloaked figure bent over something in the grass, still chanting in that unrecognizable language. The thing in the grass looked like some sort of circle with a mark in the center. And I swear to God, I wish I could tell you that I'm lying about this. But when I realized what the symbol was, I felt like I was going to throw up. There was no mistaking it. It was a pentagram, made of some sort of strange material. For the brief moment that Eddie had illuminated the sight in front of us, I had been able to get a glimpse of the pentagram's material being bright red, and I shouldn't have to say any more than that. Once the light from Eddie's phone hit the back of the man's head, he immediately stopped chanting and stood up, still facing the direction of the pentagram. I can only describe the next few minutes as truly unadulterated terror, because before we knew it, he screamed a blood-curdling scream that rattled us to the core and turned around, beginning to sprint towards us. Everything happened so fast, I couldn't even make out the man's facial features except for deep, sunken eyes and an expression that radiated pure hatred. He really did want to bring us harm. Not wasting any time, we all fled in the direction we had came from, running faster than I think any of us had ever ran in our entire lives. I couldn't even muster up a single scream while running away. I was so petrified, I could not make any noise. Maybe it was a miracle, but we somehow, some way, managed to retrace our steps all the way through the path we took to enter the cemetery and forest, and eventually came out to the main road, which was devoid of any traffic for the time being. Afraid of what I would see if I looked back, I made a beeline to the car along with the others and hopped into the back seat. Not wasting any time to lock the door and roll up the window, we peeled out of there in no time flat and didn't stop driving until well over 20 minutes later. I honestly have no idea how far or how long that man chased us for, but I do know this for sure. We weren't supposed to be there that night, and we must have interrupted something important. I'll never know what it was. And honestly, I hope I never find out. We don't really talk about this, and I can't even remember the last time any of us even got together to hang out. But I don't think we ever will do anything like that again. I think that fright we felt is enough to satisfy us for the rest of our lives, and I'm thankful beyond words that we all managed to get away, alive. The scariest thing that ever happened to me on Halloween was back when I was living in Liverpool for university. Halloween is always a big night for students, as is pretty much anywhere else. It's a yearly event that involves dressing up and getting pissed. But since Halloween is a really good excuse to wear considerably less clothes than usual, party-oriented students tend to get particularly excited about it. So I'm in my second year at this point, living with a bunch of my student mates just off Smith Down Road which is where loads of students can get shared houses for really cheap rent. We heard that this big house party was happening just down the road from us. One of those that had its own little Facebook event page set up to keep track of invites and give people directions to the house. I remember my mates sitting around the kitchen table, all staring at the screen as they went through all the profiles of girls that said they were attending. I mean, some of them were absolutely gorgeous, so we were all definitely hyped about it. Only just a few days before Halloween, I started to feel really, really grim. I had the shakes, 
I was running to and from the toilet every half an hour to a rupture on both ends, and I could barely keep any food down. This persisted for about 48 hours straight, and thankfully it abated by Halloween itself, but I still felt way too rough to do any serious partying. The last thing I wanted to do was end up browning myself in front of like half the girls at our uni. I mean, every lad wants to be a legend, don't they? But for the right reasons. So anyway, on the day of the house party, despite my mates insisting I make an appearance and throw together a costume, I made the firm decision to stay home and chill for the evening. As much as I felt like I was missing out, I just didn't feel up to it. So about seven-ish, my mates were pre-drinking in the kitchen while I'm up in my room looking to order the spiciest curry I can get my hands on, in the hopes that it would purge the rest of the sickness out of me. So, I could start the following week feeling fresh again. So about the time I'm burning my face off with a chicken vindaloo, my mates are just about to head down for the house party. They are about to go off for a night of debauchery, I guess. There are a few final pleas for me to join them, but these are violently rebuked. There might have been a chance of me joining them before the curry, but afterwards, no chance. I was in a full-on food coma. So a couple of hours later, I'm just chilling on the couch and wondering why British Netflix had such a dire collection of horror films, when there's a knock at our door. My first thought is that there's been some kind of puke-related disaster, and one of the lads to come back to get a change of clothes before heading back to the house party. I mean, this wasn't entirely out of the question since the house party was only around the corner. Safe staggering distance for anyone that had drank a little bit too much too quickly. But it then occurred to me that there was no chance it could have been trick-or-treaters. Smithdown has a big mix of residential and student housing, so there was also a decent chance it could have been kids looking for sweets, but also not too much. So to save the house getting egged, I leg it to the kitchen and grab a few bits of the cupboards to offer any potential trick-or-treaters. But when I answered the door, Mars bars in hand, there was no one there. Maybe I had just taken too long grabbing sweets, or maybe it was just me kind of imagining that I heard something, or simply some sort of knock and run type of deal. But either way, there was no one, no one to be seen. So I head back inside, plonk myself on the couch, and get back to digesting the ton of curry I had just eaten. A short while later, I'm still watching Netflix and about ready to doze off when something in the corner of the living room catches my eye. You know when you're so used to looking at a certain something that just the oddest little different catches your eye? Well, I definitely happened to notice that there was a little less of an orange streetlight outside coming through the little crack between the curtains and the window. Like, this dark shape was outside, standing at the window. I sit up nervous, and it disappears from view, allowing me to see the orange light illuminating the street outside again. Someone had been watching me. I get up, rushed over to the cupboard, under the stairs to grab my housemate's cricket bat, then edged towards the front door. I threw it open, ready to swing at whatever was out there, but again, there was nothing. I started to feel like I was going mental at that point, but maybe I was just exhausted from being sick for most of the week. I had not slept very well all during the few days prior to Halloween and I tried to reassure myself that maybe I was just a wee bit jumpy from being overtired. I decided it was best that I just get an early night, telling myself I'd feel much better in the morning. I did a bit of washing up, got a shower, and put on some comfy clothes to get ready for bed. But just as I do, there's another knock on the door. Only this time, I can clearly hear some young-sounding voice go, trick-or-treat, from the other side of the door. 
I'd almost jumped out of my skin when I heard the door go, but the voice was weirdly reassuring. I mean, it was only trick-or-treaters, right? The worst that could happen was I got a few eggs thrown at me or some toilet paper lashed over my house. I walked downstairs, grabbed the handful of bars I'd fished out of the cupboard, and then opened the door. I was expecting to see a gaggle of kids, but I didn't see anybody. There was just one small-looking figure standing in the pathway a couple of feet away. They couldn't have been any older than a teenager, but they definitely looked a bit too old to be trick-or-treating. I do not imagine they had been particularly intimidating, otherwise the mask they were wearing seriously gave me the creeps. It looked old and it smelled like disgusting, unwashed latex on the inside. I'm not even sure it was meant to be a Halloween mask. It was like an old man's face with these tiny black eyes and a big white smile stretching from ear to ear. I made some derisive comment to him like, Aren't you a bit too old to be trick-or-treating? But held out the handful of Mars bars toward him anyway. I reckoned he'd just tell me to bugger off, snatch the sweets, and leg it down the path. But he didn't. The lad just stood there, looking at me from behind the mask, not even moving to take the chocolate bars from me. I asked him if he was alright, starting to actually get creeped out by this behavior on top of the weird old mask he was wearing. But still, they didn't say anything. There was something intensely creepy about not being able to see his actual eyes behind the mask, and the longer we stood there in silence, just staring at each other, I felt myself tense up. Then, right as I'm about to give him an awkward goodbye and shut the door, I hear a loud noise coming from behind me. I didn't really think the situation through. I just reacted, running into the kitchen at the back of the house where the noise was coming from just in time to see someone smash the back door open. About three or four people then pour into the kitchen, all wearing masks, some armed with baseball bats, others with big knives in their hands. I turn around and leg it back towards the front door, planning to run upstairs to my room where my phone was charging to ring the police. But to my absolute terror, blocking the way to the stairs was the little lad with the mask on. Only this time he had a knife in his hand too. He had been in on the whole thing the entire time, and as he pointed the knife in my direction... All I could do was raise my hands in this please don't stab me type of way. Get on the floor now, he said. His voice, that seriously sounded like he was no older than about 14. Like he legit sounded like a child. And that scared me even more. A grown man might have the presence of mind to not hurt anyone and keep the severity of their crimes to a minimum. But a kid? Bloody hell. I thought he might just stab me for the fun of it. I'd heard stories about gangs all over the world making younger kids commit violence just to sort of prove themselves. And that's what had me shaking as I lay down on the carpeted floor in the hallway, face down with my hands on the back of my head. I listened as the gang just completely ransacked the house. I couldn't see exactly what they were taking, but I heard them mentioning laptops and phones and some stuff like that, laughing to themselves as they absolutely raided each and every room in the house. At some points, I heard them smashing and crashing things. They just took it upon themselves to commit as much wanton destruction as they liked giggling maniacally to each other as they realized they had the time and freedom to do pretty much whatever they fancied. I thought if I just lay there, keeping still and quiet that they'd leave me alone, but that was just wishful thinking on my part. Obviously, they had made their way through the hallway a fair few times, and whenever they did, they'd literally walk all over me, which was painful enough, or they'd get in a few kicks here and there, and then just listen to me grimace. I think the worst part of the physical abuse is when I heard them say, kick him in the balls, to one of their mates. I tried to shut my legs, but they still aimed a few kicks, exposed, and in a lot of pain, I was lucky enough to be able to tuck up my boy parts, if you know what I mean, 
There wasn't anything too delicate exposed, but still, the idea of getting my bollocks crushed under the trainer of some disgusting little thug had my heart practically jumping out of my throat. It sort of reminded me of a scene from A Clockwork Orange. They were there to rob us. That was bloody obvious, but they clearly took a great deal of joy just being able to terrorize someone for a bit. And they seemed to get a real kick out of realizing that I wasn't from Liverpool. At one point I said something like, Just take what you want. Please just don't hurt me. They just burst out laughing. I wouldn't say I'm posh by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd definitely say I'm well more spoken than a lot of your average scousers out there. They started mimicking me with these piss-take voices, stamping on my head and kicking me. I just lay there wishing I'd never said anything. After what seemed like forever, listening to those kids ferrying about my belongings into the alley behind the house, they finally left. But not before one of the knives were put to my throat and they told me they'd be coming back to cut my head off if I even as much said anything, or if they even saw a police car in the area. Then as quickly as they had appeared, they all ghosted. I waited for a long time before I found the courage to stand up, and as I tried, my knees were way shakier than I care to admit. I went from my room to another room surveying the destruction. The place was a mess, but the thing that amazed me and gutted me more than anything was the sheer amount of stuff they had taken. God knows how they had gotten it off from the house. They had taken TVs, game consoles, audio equipment, pretty much anything electrical that wasn't nailed to the ground. It also looked like they had taken pretty much all of our trainers. They had also raided all of our closets for any clothes that they apparently liked. I wanted to call the police. I really did, but with what phone? I'm almost glad I got a few kicks to the head, otherwise the sense of shame and humiliation might have been too much to bear. I ended up knocking at my neighbor's houses, but unlike me, they were way too smart to answer their doors to strangers on Halloween. It was probably the single worst experience of my life up to that point. I had just to go sit back inside the house and sit there on the living room couch with my head in my hands, just trying to hold back tears. It was hours before any of my drunken housemates arrived back. Before that, I think I just sort of sat there at the kitchen table, in the one room that hadn't been completely ransacked, just drinking a few tins of lager, feeling absolutely shell-shocked, until finally two of them who hadn't pulled returned home, and that's about the end of it. There's no real resolution to this story. The police couldn't do anything other than take down a list of things that had been stolen and maybe look for any laptops that turned up in pawn shops. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true Halloween horror stories. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the show. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as it helps us a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day on all things natural and supernatural. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and perhaps giving us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts, maybe check out the merch store. We have everything from t-shirts, hoodies, face mask, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. 
Don't forget to comment down below what story was your favorite tonight, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.